Sit in on unfiltered raw chats with multiple sclerosis advocate, motivational speaker, and writer, a hot MS, as she goes one-on-one with those who've had all the odds against them. From unexpected disabilities, incurable illnesses, to pimped out mobility aids, this pioneer in the chronic illness community wants you to know you can be a total train wreck and flip it into something positive, empowering, and even life-changing when she's not dirty dancing on an IV pole, that is. Welcome to episode number two of All the Odds. I don't know why I did that like a 1920s radio host, but I did. We're going to dive right in because that's what I like to do. Um, Last episode, we dove into the topic of fear and touched on the lovely facet of vulnerability. I also talked about how being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis was a blessing. Yeah, a blessing. Crazy. I know. But I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the topic surrounding the fear and vulnerability that comes with being diagnosed with a progressive incurable disease like MS. The diagnostic process of any chronic illness or incurable disability is a daunting one. We're filled with question marks and often project self-guilt onto ourselves when you know, asking things like, did I do something that caused this to happen to me? I'm guilty of even thinking in the beginning of my life with MS that crap, is this karma's work? I mean, I know I was a glorified asshole for a period in my life. So is this just the universe coming back at me for something? I get analytical. It happens. I know you do too. That's It's a normal thing. And I know this is a common thought process for many of you. We all do it. We pick things apart because when we do, we have a better sense of understanding towards what we are picking apart in the first place. (laughs) Accepting and understanding that things just have a way of happening and working themselves out really allows us to put guilt into a cabinet and lock it up for good. Living with a chronic illness is hard. It's no walk in the park and certainly not a peachy situation. So why on earth are we going to add self-guilt and self-judgment into the mix of crap when we're already you know, navig- or navigating around chaos? It's silly. My diagnosis back in 2019 with MS was not you know, presented to me in this perfect little package. I'm grateful that I had a good medical team working for me to nail down my diagnosis within a time frame of under two months. It was really, really fast. And I have heard horror stories, um, you know, since being involved in the MS family and MS community for the last three years of people fighting for years to get a diagnosis. Um, so I'm grateful that mine was a very fast one, but it was presented to me anything less than fun. <laughs> I was working as an administrative assistant at a mortgage bank at the time. And I want to say, uh, I don't remember what day of the week it was, not that it's relevant, but around 1130 or so in the afternoon, um, I got a phone call from my neurologist's office and, you know, I had already gone through the doctor's appointments and MRIs. So at this point, 
in the game, I was just waiting for the results. <laughs> I got a call from one of the nurses within the neurology department. Um, and at the time we were with Kaiser. So I took the call in the hallway of my office building for some privacy. And on the other end of the call, it was, hello, is this Brittany? Uh, this is so-and-so from Dr. So-and-so's office. And we've recovered the results from your recent MRI and it indicates aggressive multiple sclerosis. We need you to get down to our infusion clinic ASAP to start steroids. And I'm like, huh, okay. <laughs> I remember pausing for a second and thinking, what in God's name just happened? And I said, okay, but I'm working right now, but I get off at 5.30, I can come after that. And the urgency in her voice was so nerve wracking. And she goes, well, I don't think you understand the severity of this. If I need to speak with your supervisor, I can, and you know, to excuse you from work, but Dr. So-and-so requests that you come in immediately to start steroids. So I put the nurse on hold and I walked into my boss's office, um, who was a good friend of mine. So she knew everything that was going on. So, you know, there was, there was no surprises. I told her the situation with the nurse on speaker, which, you know, the nurse chimed in saying, you know, the importance of me dropping everything to get over there to the infusion wing. So I got it cleared and uh, I promised to come back to work after I was finished, which now know that that was like the dumbest thing that I could have agreed to. So I flew out of the office, you know, and I, I walked back into the hallway of the building and I stood there just to kind of gather myself for what felt like an hour, but I'm sure it was, you know, probably two or three minutes or so. This is really hard to explain, but I felt that during that two to three minutes, somehow time had expanded where I could see all of my options laid out in front of me. I could see, you know, a crossroads in my mind's eye, given the option of defeat, fear, and depression or strength, determination, and faith. So, you know, standing in the middle of the hallway of my office building, I, in my mind, was standing in the middle of these two roads. And it's overwhelming because naturally, of course, we want to walk down the stronger road, but we still fear falling. We fear the unknown. We fear the lack of reassurance that, you know, we can overcome this next, what seems to be impossible situation. But in two to three minutes, I had opened myself up to both roads. I know I cannot be the only one who, you know, has experienced simultaneous combination of completely opposing emotions. Like in insert whiplash here. Fruition can hit you in the face like an 18-wheeler. And that's what happened. It was the, okay, crap, just hit the fan. What are you going to do now? And I remember standing there looking up, you know, in the hallway at that, you know, how office buildings have the, the high vaulted ceilings. And I was looking up because obviously God was hanging out around the pipes of my building. And I asked, what are you doing? And I just kind of paused for a second and I looked up again and I don't know why, but I, I distinctively remember laughing, <laughs> which is like the complete opposite response of somebody that just gets news like this. But I remember laughing and I said, okay, let's do this. So I left my office and I, I headed over to Kaiser's neurology department and I was 
you know, I was greeted with such sweet nurses. Everybody was just so incredibly kind and compassionate, which in a way was very nice, but it also creeped me out at the same time, like, whoa, this is actually happening. And, you know, you, you know, when something really bad just happened and you get this overwhelming amount of empathy and softness from people, it almost makes the situation more terrifying because obviously they know something that you don't, you know what I mean? Now I had been what I thought was pretty healthy most of my life. I mean, I have cold induced asthma and that was pretty much it. So getting hooked up to an IV with steroids was completely out of the norm for me. But let me tell you, fear is only as powerful as the acknowledgement you give it. Fear is only as powerful as the acknowledgement you give it. Fear is a hungry ass mofo and loves to be fed. <laughs> but the more we feed it, the more powerful it becomes. So what if we approach situations in life in a more I don't nonchalant manner? The second we let ourselves start to spiral, it's easier to get out of it or is it harder? If we let ourselves spiral, is it easier to get out of the situation while we're spiraling or is it harder? I think you know the answer. It's pretty self-explanatory. We've all done it. So if you're listening to this and think, oh, I'm not guilty of that, just shut your face. Shut your face for a second because you're lying to yourself. It's normal for us to get wrapped around the axle you know, from time to time and start to spiral. We've all done it. We've been there. We get it. We've all, we all can collect that trophy. So I'm in the waiting room at Kaiser and a nurse calls my name and I go back and, you know, they have a, an IV shut, um, IV machine set up and, and steroids ready to go. And I knew very little about steroids and my actual neurologist wasn't even available at the time, of course. So, you know, there's not much that a nurse can tell you. They're just there doing their job, making you as comfortable as possible. And you'll have a follow up, you know, with your neurologist at a later time. But I wish I had been forewarned about the side effects of solumedrol because I am extremely body sensitive. I don't even drink because of that reason. I have this really weird complex with needing to feel in control of my body. So any chemical or substance that alters my state of mind, it's just, it's not for me. So the nurse, you know, she starts to find a vein and this is amazingly fun for someone like me who's terrified of needles. And don't go and say, but Brit, you're covered head to toe in tattoos because it's completely different. It's not the same. It's totally different. It's surfacal, not inserted. Two totally different animals. So I, I remember I literally made my nurse count down like a child before she found a vein. And I'm pretty sure I may have joked and asked for like a sticker or a sucker. No joke, but I try to find the humor in anything that makes me uncomfortable because it's my best defense mechanism of not going to a gross, ugly, gross place. <laughs> That's what I need to do for me. So I'm sitting there and the steroid infusion started and, you know, um, and a good 15 minutes into the one hour drip, I get this insane taste of metal in my mouth. It literally tasted like I had been sucking on a ball of tinfoil. So I asked my nurse and she confirmed, you know, that was a, a pretty standard side effect for steroids. So yay for the tinfoil sucking portion of my day. I had called my husband, Johnny, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that he left work to meet me there. Although my memory is absolute garbage nowadays. So I think that's what happened. I remember him being there. I'm not sure if it was on the first 
day of steroids because they did it in a three-day a three-day drip. You know, I was confused. I was scared, overwhelmed, and I was completely in my head, which is never a good place to be. Everything was happening so fast. And one hour ago, you know, prior to all this, I was submitting invoicing to our affiliate vendors. Now I'm hooked up to a machine pumping chemicals in me that taste like crap and are making me involuntarily shake from roid rage. You know, I'm a one cup of coffee a day chick. So steroids, let's just say I got a lot done on those steroid days and sleep was virtually non-existent. So you've got confusion, fear, overwhelming, what the heck has happened, you know, all pumped up by high doses of steroids. This is a recipe for complete and utter disaster. Let me tell you, I had to quiet my mind and try to enter myself into a place of calm. Taking control of your mind is not easy at all, especially if you're like me and you stew about things and you you play it over and over and over again in your head. But for some reason or another, God was trying to get my attention and holy crap, did he? In moments of trauma, I often hear people say that they were calm at the same time. And this is what happened to me. You know, I, I was sitting there and completely tweaking out on steroids. And I thought to myself, wow, this is, you know, this is life changing. I mean, I know a little bit about MS, but this is not going away. And I can't explain it. But right after thinking this, I got calm. I got a sense of this is going to be okay. But the most memorable feel, memorable feeling, the most memorable feeling that I had during this moment was to trust. Now, fear and trust go hand in hand, believe it or not. When we fight and resist fear, we only argue with the inevitable. Fear will always be a natural reaction to the things that we can't control. But if we learn to trust the situation that is causing fear from the start, we allow ourselves to have a better stance of control over something that is considered completely out of control. So I had to allow myself and give myself permission to trust. Clear as day in my mind, I heard the word trust. So I know that God was trying to reach me. He was trying to you know, grab my attention for years and years. And apparently it took being diagnosed with a disability to really get my attention. But getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is my biggest takeaway for you. You cannot expect to grow when you are comfortable and at ease because you just wind up complacent. Growth comes from moments in life that strip you down and bear all of you in the most vulnerable of ways. So if you're in the grueling process of diagnosis, or maybe you were diagnosed a few years ago, but you're still battling, you know, with that element of fear, let me ask you this. What are you gaining by being afraid? What, what good is it bringing to you? And if you can give me an answer with substantial evidence proving that being fearful is constructive, please email me because I really want to hear this. Honestly, I'm open. I'm open to anything. But do you think fear is a good thing? And I do because it's awareness. However, 
knowing that something exists and then feeding it are two totally different things. Be aware of the fear. Say hello to it. For the love of God, don't give it a Big Mac because it's going to keep coming back asking for more food. Again, fear is a hungry mofo. But by allowing ourselves to take a scary situation, recognize it as one, but then leave it right there, we aren't contributing to its growth. It exists. It's not going anywhere, but it's not increasing in power. So trust your own ability because you also are capable of waving to the fear, say, hey, how you doing? I see you, wave high, but then keep going. Fear can also be fed by others projecting their own concerns onto your situation. And I found, you know, when I was diagnosed that some people in my life actually made my fear worse because they were the ones in fear of my situation. They didn't understand much about MS anyway. So I got responses like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. How terrifying. Do you think that response made me feel less afraid or more afraid? obviously more afraid. So I had to open up communication and respond back by saying, no, it's okay. You know, everything happens for a reason and I'll figure it out. It's all good. But this too can cause those around you to think that you're completely insane and in this space of denial. So I had to continue to advocate to prove that I fully understood what was happening to my body. You know, I wasn't insane. I wasn't in denial. But I allowed myself to go into a place of trust. Fear was still there, but I trusted my reality. I was trusting my reality and was sure that if I made, you know, the most of a shitty situation that I would be better off. Because if you walk into something hard in life saying, well, I'm not sure if I can do this, you've already failed yourself. You have already failed yourself. Do not project failure onto yourself. We already have enough obstacles in life. So don't be the one that gets in your own way. So I want to challenge you to start to widen your perception a little bit. And when things get hard and seem impossible, say, yeah, this sucks. This really, really sucks. But I'm strong enough to get through this. Again, acknowledge the fear, but allow yourself to trust. When you change your perception, you change your reality. When you change your perception, you change your reality. We all seem to be under the impression that to be strong is to never fall apart and we got to keep it all together all the time and don't crack, don't crack. But that is the biggest load of junk. It is junk. Strength is not defined by how well you compose yourself. It's defined by how many times you get up after you've been kicked down. It's giving yourself permission to ugly cry on the shower floor and then get up, get dressed and get to the mint chip ice cream and then move on with your day. Strength is leaving a physically abusive relationship with nothing but a suitcase of socks. And yes, I did that. Strength is saying, you know, goodbye to your dying grandfather. And then you go finish the run of Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat because production couldn't get you an understudy. Strength is moving across the country by yourself to pursue your dreams. It's getting back up when you eat it on the ground because your legs aren't cooperating. It's taking control of a body that's out of control by doing things to stay proactive about your health instead of abusing your body. You have no idea what you are capable of 
in terms of resilience and strength if you are not feeding the fear and you trust. Thanks for listening to All the Odds with that crazy tattooed MS chick. What's her name again? Oh, right. A hot MS. When you're not listening here, check out her website for the latest blog or shoot her a DM on the gram. Oh, yeah, she's on that TikTok thing, too. And don't forget to celebrate your disasters. Your victories get enough attention. 